Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the UI Breakfast Podcast. I'm your host, Jane Portman, and today our special guest is the awesome Derek Reimer, founder of SavvyCal these days, and we're going to talk about designing for calendars and scheduling and all that jazz. This episode is brought to you by Userlist, a lifecycle messaging tool for SaaS companies. It's perfect for sending smart onboarding campaigns or any other behavior-based communication. We have everything you need to get started quickly and painlessly. Developer-friendly API, campaign templates, and hands-on support from the founders. Try Userlist free at userlist.com. Hi, Derek. Hi, Jane. How's it going? Doing great. Thanks so much for joining us today. We can't stop admiring your product adventures, having followed your story of level and then static kit. Tell our listeners where you come from, what you do, and uh, what brings you to SavvyCal these days. Sure. Yeah. So I've been kind of playing this independent SaaS game for the last 10 or so years. Got my start shortly out of college and started working with Rob Walling kind of early on in my career. And together we built Drip, email marketing automation product, and um, spent the bulk of the last 10 years working on that and had an exit, sold to lead pages. And then after that, I've been working on a number of uh, various product exploits, uh, starting with Level, which probably a number of folks heard me talk about that here a couple of years ago, I think. And that was a whole experience in and of itself. Ultimately, ended up moving on from that product for a number of reasons. And then kind of in between, built a product called Static Kit that was in the Jamstack space, you know, form provider, basically. And and then earlier this year, uh, around around the turn of the pandemic, actually, <laughs> kind of started to transition away from that um, after struggling to kind of get um, get meaningful traction with that product and turn my focus into the scheduling space and started working on um, SavvyCal. And so that efforts on that kicked off in March or so. And and then we launched in September. And and now things are, uh, things are going pretty well. We're going to link to your previous interview here in the show notes. And uh, you've talked a lot in the previous episode about validation, how, how your idea was, was picked and then validated and then invalidated of sorts, you know. And now that you're super experienced with different product types and factors of success, you know, what made you pursue a truly consumer-grade product like a scheduling tool that, that SavvyCal is? Yeah, so I think there were a lot of, I mean, there are a lot of factors that went into my decision. I mean, based on kind of my own stage in my career, my personal strengths as a founder and my weaknesses, you know, lessons learned from from previous products. So like, so Level was, you know, kind of a swing for the fences, very ambitious, large scoped product, right? I mean, competing with Slack and I did this after after leaving Drip, and I had spent you know spent a long time working on that product, so so kind of saw it through the scaling phase a bit, and I was ready to get back to you know something ambitious in a problem space that I really was passionate about. But I um, mean, you know, a learning that I took away from that was that you know it's just that was probably a bit too large of scope for for an independent you know solo founder. You know, the it took me about eight months or so just to kind of get the first version of the product in a place where I felt ready to start inviting customers in 
and you know that proved to be an extremely difficult proposition to actually get people over the hump of like you know from the point of being interested in in a new tool and and recognizing the areas that slack is not good to actually switching you know and and that was a big realization for me that like you know if if you have a product that has extremely high switching costs that involves you know basically a bunch of different decision makers everyone in almost everyone in the company had a uh, stake in that decision on switching to a completely different tool and you know that just ultimately i realized like that's probably not a great fit for me like i ideally want a tool that you know can you can start out in single player mode you know one person can just decide to start using it for themselves and then ultimately they can the rest of their team can adopt it i wanted to be able to launch an MVP a lot faster than I was able to with level, you know, ideally within a couple of months. And so that kind of helped me, helped me narrow down potential ideas based on just scope and what it would take to get something out the door. You know, I personally, I'm a kind of a full stack developer, but I really enjoy doing kind of the UI UX side of things. And I just derive the most joy out of, out of being able to contribute to that whole that whole stack and like static Kit, for example, was pretty, pretty heavy on the back end side of things. It was like, it was an API. It was for developers. I enjoy that kind of work, but ultimately I felt like I was kind of leaving something on the table by not taking on a product where I could really, you know, hopefully execute well on, on the design and the, the user experience of the product. So, so this one checked a lot of boxes and I, I kind of arrived at it through, I mean, one of my favorite exercises to do when I'm thinking about, business ideas is kind of evaluating, you know, what are the tools that I've used in my own stack over the years? And of course, Calendly was, you know, we used it for demos early on at Drip and just for personal scheduling. So I had been a user, a casual user of the product myself for, uh, for many years. And so kind of just started taking a close look at that space. Like, are we really, is Calendly really doing the best, the best job for, for people like me, like myself, you know, I can understand my own problem space the best. And I started to realize that when I was doing customer interviews, for example, for Level, I was using Calendly to schedule that. And there was all kinds of little points of friction. Like I was always concerned, okay, if I send this link out, is my calendar up to date? So I would always kind of anxiously go and check my calendar first before sending the link. And then I always had this concern of like, am I going to get you know, 10 calls booked on the same day, or I'm going to, you know, completely wreck my calendar and not be able to do anything else. And that happened a bunch of times. So I would, I would send out a link. And, you know, I would be like slammed for the next couple of weeks on calls. And so it was just like, I always felt a little bit out of control when sending scheduling links out. So I was like, okay, that's something to listen to. That's a point of friction that I think the product is not helping well with. And then there's the other big problem of kind of that awkward, like people opting to use suboptimal ways to schedule things because they're afraid of offending the other person by sending a scheduling link. And that that's still, admittedly, it's a difficult problem to solve. It's partially a human problem, partially a tools problem, I think. But I think, you know, there's a number of different ways that, that I was able to identify areas that the product can help support support that better and alleviate kind of those power dynamic issues. And so you know, I kind of formed a hypothesis about this based on my own experiences, things I'd observed. And that kind of led me down the path of starting to validate this earlier this year. 
So how is that going? What do you feel? What assumptions were validated? And I'm particularly curious whether you had any big surprises as you, you know, settled on this path. Yeah. So, I mean, I think for the most part, I think it helps that I was a an actual customer of this tool. Like, I think we did a pretty good job of identifying kind of the core problems that people struggle with. I think you know, the, the delivering on the promise of we're going to make the power dynamic better is still admittedly difficult. And so I think it's like that. We'll see how that shapes up over time. You know, if I'm really able to make a compelling case that the product is able to really to really solve that problem, but it at least helps on that front today. I think, you know, I, I think I probably expected there to be more desire for a bunch of power user features and i mean just by nature of like i've only been working on the product for you know less than a year like we just don't have all of the power user features that i had listed in my initial doc and yet the product is still is still seeing a good amount of traction and so that was i guess surprising to me that like i didn't know how many differentiators or how wildly different this would have to be from other tools in order for people to be willing to switch but i mean so far people have really kind of latched on to like the kind of the elegant simplicity of the UI, I guess. Like there's this is a seems like a relatively small thing to me, but like just the fact that we built the product out the gate with having availability presets. So you could preset like your working hours and then you attach that to your link. So you don't have to constantly redefine your availability every time you create a new link. And that's just a small thing that I think people have really loved and has, have made like managing their account way easier. And I think actually Calendly added that feature recently. So I don't know if they were inspired or just uh, came to the same conclusion at the same time. But but yeah, I mean, that. so that alone has been like a major time saver for people and enough for people to really like give the product a shot and fall in love with it. Yeah, Calendly really, they served you great because they paved the path for, you know, people understanding that yeah. they need such a tool. Yeah. But they're too big of a company to move fast these days. There are some feature requests that I subscribed to ages ago. For example, one is uh, asking somebody to reschedule. Yeah. Like there is still not an execution for that. And this is really sad. So you as a young company can absolutely tackle those problems early on. And people are just a little bit tired of their, you know, duct tape solutions because you know, with mature product, like we're all product people here, it's not that easy to change up the concept once you're in. Yeah, I mean, I, I I have a lot of respect for the company that they've built. I mean, it's a they've definitely secured a market leadership position, you know. And I think there's there's some Inc. Magazine articles recently that came out, and some some rumors about like rounds of secondary funding and stuff, like billion dollar valuations. I've heard thrown around. So like they've built this fantastic company on kind of a similar premise of like we're we're going to be the well-designed tool that startup founders are going to like. You know, we're not the crufty old like scheduling tool that your dentist's office uses. Like we're we have clean, elegant design. And so I think they captured a lot of a lot of folks on that on that same promise. But yeah, having having built products for that have lasted a number of years, like oh, gradually over time, that legacy compounds your ability to to make big shifts gets all that much harder. And I think that's that's always an opportunity for someone with a fresh a fresh take to come in and offer a, a bit more modern uh, modern solution. But yeah, I mean, Calendly is still... What's, what, what I love about this is that it's a huge market. And I think 
that's something that a lot of like independent SaaS founders can take note of. Like, there's always going to be competition, especially in a market where that's worth pursuing. Like, just by nature of how much, how many people are working in the problem space of SaaS, like if you've hit on a good idea, there's, there's always going to be competition. So I just take that as like a good sign that I, I can, if I do my job well, I can manage to carve out enough customers to build a business on. And, and there's still enough room for, for a bunch of different players to succeed here. I love how small the world is indeed, because uh, my useless co-founder Claire uh, who was work- with us uh, early on? She was the director of marketing at Calendly. Oh, that's right. There is also, and we have a free Calendly account, by the way, as a compliment <laughs> to that <laughs> historical fact. Yeah. And also, there are other scheduling tools like there is You Can Book Me, yep. and we had their co-founder, their founder Bridget Harris here in the show. We had Anna Jacobson who worked for with you, <laughs> yep. and then worked for You Can Book Me, and now we're talking to you, building a competitor to Calendly. It's just all yeah. very intertwined pretty delightful we're going to link to all of that in the show notes for sure but today we have a lovely topic we have designers listening to us and as a ux consultant in my old days i have designed quite a few calendars but they were never like calendar was not a primary feature mm-hmm. like of the product it was always like yeah you have this and this and and the calendar page so we would always just scratch the surface with some you know styling and then I don't know what happened next because it's up to developers. But now (laughs) you're much, much, much deeper in the woods there. What do you think the challenges were? And how did you even approach designing the layout for your calendar? Was it code first, Figma first, research first? What did you do? Yeah, it kind of... I'm trying to think back to how it it initially formed. But one of the first first kind of whiteboarding sessions that I had in, in kind of, you know, the ideation phase for the product was figuring out you know, what's the what's the visual paradigm going to be? I mean, Calendly, if your folks are familiar with it, is basically you see a, a calendar view with just the dates and you click on a date. And when you click on a date, you get to see a list of slots that are available. And, you know, that's a flow that pe- folks are pretty familiar with. So one of my initial questions was, are people going to accept a different visual paradigm than that? Or will I have to mimic the same thing? And you know, one of the things that came up early on was that the fact that there's a lot of friction and pain in someone sending a Calendly link. And now you're like, Oh, great, I have to go check my calendar, I have to reconcile my calendar against this person's link. And if you're not a particularly busy person that schedules a lot of meetings, maybe it's not that big of a deal. But if you're if you're constantly booking meetings with people, it's a lot of friction to look at their link, click back to your calendar, you know, you're basically kind of guess and checking. You're clicking on a date. Nope, that doesn't have slots. Oh, I'm I'm free on this day. Do they have any? And you're kind of like flipping back and forth trying to find a time that works for both of you. And so, you know, I think Calendly has this feature where if you if you have an account also, it'll kind of show you when you're looking at someone's slots, it'll show you when you're blocked on your calendar, which is decent, but I was kind of like feeling like, okay, we're so used to looking at our Google calendars or our Apple calendars or whatever. And you're seeing the the week, the week in front of you. And there's just something really powerful about being able to see this kind of ubiquitous like calendar schedule view that I think people are so accustomed to. And so I kind of took on the challenge of like, what if, you know, I, I wasn't sure how difficult this would be, if this would be feasible to to implement or if it would be a complete catastrophe. But 
kind of just made the call early on to attempt to put the calendar front and center. So when you log into SavvyCal and you're looking at your scheduling link, it looks very similar to like the Google Calendar interface where you have a sidebar and then you have a calendar right there in front of you. And the booking page looks very similar. There's a sidebar with some metadata and then you're looking at a calendar. And what you're seeing on that calendar is the basically a bunch of grayed out area where the person's not available and then windows of time where, where the person is available to be scheduled. And we have this feature where you can toggle on a setting. And if you have a SavvyCal account, it just works for you. If you don't, you can run through an auth flow and basically overlay your calendar events on top of that person's availability. So you get to immediately visualize, you know, it's a much more rich information, dense view. You can see a week at a time, all the places where they're free and you don't have something already on your calendar. And it's something that I think, thankfully, there exists a really well done JavaScript library called Full Calendar that we've been able to utilize because I wasn't sure initially if I was going to have to implement basically this this thing that produced a very Google Calendar-esque, you know, week view. There's a ton of ton of complexity involved in that. So, I mean, here's to the power of open source software, right? Um, that someone has built this, built this plugin that just allows me to get, you know, feed calendar event data to it. And it handles most of the display for me with some, so we just had to make some slight, you know, CSS tweaks to it. So I guess to answer, and to answer your question about like, do, did I do this in Figma first? I think I've always been a fan of just kind of pen and paper sketching for really low fidelity stuff. And then getting into the browser right away. I think it helps because I'm not really not really working on the designs as a team yet. So I'm not having to like build medium fidelity mockups to share with the team and get feedback. So I, that's maybe partially... My ability to do this is partially because of the fact that I'm working mostly alone on this stuff. But I found, you know, Tailwind CSS uh, and in just working with HTML in the browser to be an extremely kind of productive way for me to just design in the final medium. You're one of those dangerous people <laughs> who can do both development and design well. And that's just, I, I'm, I'm envious. If I had another life, I would love to become one of these people, but apparently not. <laughs> apparently not. <laughs> so I'm glad that you brought up the topic of how the actual calendar paradigm can be useful for, for products. And I think this view is very underutilized by many software products out there. I once had a use case. I really wanted a time tracking tool that would have this, you know, weekly view and that would allow me to like time block mm -hmm. my babysitter hours essentially so I can drag them around and, uh, you know, adjust. But, but there was none. And I reviewed like a dozen time tracking tool and none of them had a decent calendar view, even though it's, it's such a, such a traditional paradigm for people to work with. It's amazing how it's underutilized. Yeah, I think it's I think there's a certain assumption that this is like nearly impossible to do or that the complexity is just off the charts and is going to be a nightmare to maintain. And I think you know, a lot of times when you're building new products, there are certain things where you have to just take on that <laughs> that like complexity and just say like, well, we're going to figure this out because it's so important, you know? I think I mean, you guys at UserList probably, <laughs> there's probably a number of areas where you're like, I know like taking a, and I I, sh I have good understanding of your problem space from Drip, you know, but like taking a list of 100,000 people and running segmentation on it is no small feat. And yet 
You know, it's, it's one of the things you guys have chosen to take on because it's, it's so important and such a key part of the product. Right. And so we always have to like, hopefully not everything, not every part of the product is a big ambitious bet. But in this case, for me, for Savvy Cal, it's like, I mean, the taking on a calendar interface and trying to make sure it stays as bug free as possible is like one of the areas where it's like, this is an, this is an area of risk, but it's worth, it's risk worth taking on and hopefully, oh, and, and time zones too, of course, (laughs) those are always a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious, how does mobile view look for Savical? Because I haven't used it enough. I haven't seen it yet. How are you dealing with that? Yeah. So right now it's, I feel pretty good about where it's at. It it's like basically if you've if you've used Google's Google Calendar on iPhone at least, I and I probably look similar on Android too, where it's like if you're looking at a day at a time, so you're seeing when you click through, you, it's it's like the first step is just the um, the month view where you click a day, and then when you click on a day, you see basically a schedule for that day with. Um, so it's one day at a time and you see the regions that are blocked and the regions that are open. Um, and so I feel pretty good about that, but it is, it is definitely a tricky one and, and watching all the different iterations from different calendar apps on phones. Um, I remember when, when, uh, sunrise, you remember sunrise from a couple of years ago, I think they ultimately got acquired by outlook and now it's like the outlook iPhone app, but they had like they were really wildly popular at the time and got a bunch of downloads. I think it was a free app, but I remember being blown away because they just kind of like introduced this new paradigm for calendars on the phone. And so I think there's always more innovation to be done there. And so, yeah, it doesn't feel, doesn't feel like I've nailed it yet, but it feels at least passable for now, you know, but it's a tricky one. Yeah, it's interesting. We actually interviewed Tope of Calendly here back in the age in the age of my UI audit book, yeah. and he mentioned that when he designed uh, the tool, he he went through like thirty different scheduling tools. And I wonder when you designed yours, uh, did you just you know base base your research off Calendly, or did you explore others? I so I would say like I had like I have Calen- Calendly's UI patterns are like embedded deep in my brain you know because from just having used the tool <laughs> for so long and and probably you know i mean since they were more of a pioneer in the space like i think they had a lot more legwork to figure out like what's the what's the paradigm so i like i feel like i have more examples just from public consciousness from having used a bunch of scheduling tools um, kind of already in my head swirling around but i was really looking more towards kind of calendar apps than scheduling apps um to to figure out like because you know, I'm trying to bring the calendar back front and center instead of this kind of, instead of like a fresh coat of paint on like a, on like a dentist scheduling thing. <laughs> like I want it to be like, yeah, to feel more like the calendar. And I think there is, there's ultimately an opportunity that maybe, maybe years down the line for Savvy Cal to push even deeper into helping with more general purpose calendaring and not just the scheduling piece. But you know, we'll see. That's, that's further down the line if it's going to happen. So I think I'm trying to like keep you know, look more towards calendar apps than scheduling apps for inspiration. You mentioned Sunrise as a calendar app. Another one, when you mentioned Sunrise, there is Sunsama. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. it right. It's it's a task management tool that also uses uh, the calendar view. I think Laura Roder and Moitza Marsh as well, they were raving about mm. it. So I'm really looking forward to interviewing their 
they're founder soon for, for the user list better than the perfect podcast. Oh, nice. uh, so these two come to mind. Uh, I'm going to link to them. Are there any others that our you know designer listeners could uh, explore? Did any other calendar apps excite you in terms of you know visual design or anything else? Yeah, I'm trying to think if I've looked at any like kind of the newer. I think right now, for now, I'm trying to like stay pretty well aligned with what people are most accustomed to. So I, you know, I kind of studied studied patterns in Google Calendar, in the Apple Calendar app, in the Outlook Calendar app, and tried to tried to pull pieces of like what, you know, what is the the current day indicator? How does that look? You know, and what's and like found in some apps, it's like, oh, this is visually like confusing to me. I, I, it, there's extra friction here. And this one, it jumps out at me. So I'm going to pull that element from here. And like, so I think, yeah, I've mostly been mostly been kind of studying the the patterns used in the most ubiquitous ones. But yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of newer ones to check out, too. Your product's level was pretty uh, sophisticatedly designed. And now you, I think you're really reaching out to the next level even further uh, with, uh, with the polish here because it's a consumer-grade product. W- where do you find your aesthetic? Is it your personal style or do you go to dribble and like get inspired by modern designs? Because it's not it's not that purple gradient aesthetics that you're after. I'm so grateful. So where do you find <laughs> your inspiration? Yeah, I think, you know, I think we're all kind of products of of the the tools that we're using often. So one of the tools I've really been digging and and when I mention this, folks will probably kind of notice some parallels between it is I don't know if you've seen Linear, the issue tracking app. I think their design is is really stellar and it kind of feels like like a lot of design trends have swung back towards like minimalists which I'm really happy about because that's my kind of my natural happy place is kind of being in the more more minimalist not too many gradients just clean lines white space used in in place of lines whenever possible and and so I think you know like kind of design patterns used on Twitter's interface, to be honest, I kind of, you know, look up to their design team a lot. And obviously, I spend a lot of time on Twitter, too. The Stripe team is always an inspiration. So I think it's probably, yeah, I I've occasionally will peruse Dribble. Oh, I also mentioned uh, the um, the Tailwind team, you know, Steve and Adam and, and their whole team. Um, I've been using Tailwind CSS for a number of years. And now they have Tailwind UI, which has kind of a gallery of components and things. And so I've used a lot of their components for inspiration and things like form form inputs and form fields. I just kind of pull pull those out of the Tailwind UI library because I feel like, you know, they've they've nailed it on those. There's not a lot of places for me to improve upon what they have. It just they just work and they just look nice and they look native, you know. And so um that's been a great resource to kind of help shortcut some of those things where you know, I feel like back in the day, I would have spent, you know, just a week trying to get my form inputs to look nice. And now, now, thankfully, someone has just built them and I don't have to, don't have to focus on that part of it. I can just focus on the rest of it. So, so it sounds like it's been pretty smooth of a ride. And I know Savikel is doing pretty well in terms of, you know, our good old SAS metrics. What are the challenges? Give us the challenges, like what we're struggling with uh, on on a daily basis. Yeah, so I mean, first of all, I'm a basically a team of one and a half. So I'm I'm the only person working on like the product and design side of things. I have some help right now from Corey Haynes, 
he was the head of growth at Bear Metrics, and he recently went out on his own to work on swipe files and kind of build up his his own business. But he's thankfully doing some consulting on the side, and so he's he's been putting putting in about ten hours a week, helping me out on the marketing side of things, doing a great job. So it's always a constant struggle to to like make sure that marketing's not getting too far ahead of product and vice versa. And I think you know when I chose to to really start investing you know, into marketing or it was around the beginning of November when Corey and I started working together. And, and it's like a lot of good things happening on that front, but, and, and thankfully like our product hunt launch made a big splash and sent a bunch of traffic and signups. And so I think I looked at metrics and I had sent like received something like 800 support emails or just e- replies into the support queue <laughs> in the month of January. So it's like, I'm, I'm constantly battling, you know, just overwhelm from that and and kind of dealing with with the effect with the impacts of growth but also trying to make meaningful progress on the product roadmap um is a constant constant struggle one of my one of my favorite observations that i've that i've come up with in the last couple of months is like you know product development is the art of like disappointing customers at a rate they're willing to accept so there's so many there's so many things that people are asking for and you know they mostly love the product but but really want this this feature or that feature and they're things that I want to build but I just have to I just have to kind of you know reassure them that it's coming and it pains me to have to say every time I have to say that like I have to let someone down and say we don't have that yet but it it's coming is uh you know the pressure's on because I know people won't stick around forever waiting for the feature that they want so I'm you know I'm feeling Feeling always a, a good, healthy amount of pressure to to move fast, and so I think it's it's just a juggling act. It's a balancing act, trying to make sure that, like for example, this week, you know, we've done we've done a couple different marketing promotions in the month of January, so we're going to take our foot off the gas just slightly to hopefully catch up on on product a little bit. But it's it's a challenge. Based on what I know about products, you must be literally drowning in feature yeah. requests. So <laughs> I'm wondering whether uh, they really align with your roadmap, whether different requests align with each other, and if you feel that your expectations in terms of what needs to be built aligns with uh, you know customer development at that particular moment. Yeah, I, I would say fortunately, a majority of the feature requests have been pretty spot on. Like I would say 90% of them. And the nice thing about having a high volume of them it's i feel like i i would still prefer that to no one reaching out and asking for anything because that means people are complacent or they just they just don't care enough to ask so i definitely prefer the the on onter- the onslaught of of feature requests but and and one of my favorite things to to look for is just trying to spot patterns in you know if if 10 different people ask for the same feature within the span of a week, like that's probably a good sign that it's in high demand by others who aren't saying it. So definitely some of those have emerged. I think the ones that are scarier are, you know, people wanting more calendar integrations, which has always been in the plans, but those are, you know, that's kind of a big, a big endeavor to integrate with a, with a new calendar system right now. We're just Google calendar for now. And so it's like, there's these big initiatives and then there's a bunch of smaller, relatively smaller things. And I think, you know, it's probably going to be time pretty soon, sooner rather than later, to start looking for some help on the development side to kind of tackle some of these bigger things like calendar integrations or group scheduling, things like that. 
I wanted to ask one more question. It seems like whatever you know, product concept you start with, then as you mature, it, it kind of solidifies and it start and it's it's getting very hard to change, you know, some basic UX patterns. Do you think that you're there with your like UX? Or do you feel like you could do, you know, Savical 2.0? Because it's absolutely not possible for many product teams out there. You have all the superpowers and extra design capacity. Do you think you could pull that off later? Or do you feel like you nailed it already? I would consider it a failure if I had to like cut an entirely new version of the product and change it in such a significant way. So I, I do feel like it's that is a scary thing when you feel like when you know that you've poured some concrete and that concrete is is drying and it's going to be very hard to change. You know, and I think, uh, you know, even one one thing that has come up a number of times is occasionally people will ask for features and basically allude to the fact that they don't want they don't really want the calendar view they don't want availability to to be displayed in like broad windows of time they prefer slots they want slot based things and that'll be that's one thing that that will be interesting to evaluate because slots really don't align that well with with the way with a free form like pick a time and pick a time anytime in this window like it just it kind of doesn't mesh super well with that and so you know in in the back of my mind it's like well i could i could potentially see there being two different views one that's like a more traditional slot based kind of calendly-esque view and one that's calendar but then does that in- introduce a lot of complexity of the product there's a lot of maintenance overhead with having multiple views for things and Maybe this is a point where we should just be opinionated and and stick to what we've got. But you know, you never know how big of an issue that's going to be, or if that will constrain your your growth until you put it out there and see what see what customers want. So, yeah, I don't know. It's I would hope to not have to cut a new version. I guess I would say. How do you measure the places where users get stuck? Because you have a lot of potentially a lot of user data on the table, you know, all your customers and the behavior of their guests and how they interact with the mm-hmm. calendar. How do you find the bottlenecks in the UX? Yeah, right now it's, I mean, mostly qualitative, mostly things that I'm hearing from customers, questions coming in. I think fortunately, like there's usage seems pretty high like i can tell from metrics that that people who have activated in the product are at least managing to create links share them and get events booked so they're kind of that's like the core the core activities you need to do and people are seeming to do that at a pretty good rate and my the number of questions about how things work is pretty low i think they're i think i'm still mostly attracting kind of the early adopter set that has is very familiar with with tools like Calendly and and so they just kind of get it right away. And I think there will be a lot of effort that I will need to put in at a certain point once I've kind of exhausted this pool and it goes one layer out, you know, like there's already demand. Some people just email and say, like, I have no idea how your tool works. I need a video. Like, what even is this? And and so I think there's <laughs> and I think that's where a lot of there's a lot of growth potential. That's a big, that's a big segment there of people who are kind of uninitiated with these types of tools. And so I think the question is like how long how long do I put off investing in in those types of resources that's like introducing a big chunk of the market to like this concept of scheduling links. And I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't know the exact answer to that, but 
at some point we'll have to just make a call on that. It'll probably be listening for, you know, an increasing number of people who have a desire to use the tool, at least the marketing is resonating with them, but then they kind of get stuck. But so far, like just qualitatively, you know, by and large, not getting a high volume of questions about how the fundamental mechanics work. And that that's, that's a, you know, that's something I think you and I talked about this before we, before we hit record, like the, the key struggle here is like keeping the product simple enough. I want it to feel consumer grade, which is like minimizing the number of screens available, the number of options, you know, just a few options kind of Apple esque in that way, but then also be kind of a power tool that gives gives you more advanced control over your maker time and and things like that. And like, how do you keep those two in the same product? And that's, that's where the, I think that's the biggest UX challenge, to be honest, is like keeping it simple, but then uh, like gracefully enhancing to this power tool. And that'll be a key struggle, I think the whole time. Amazing. Well, thanks so much, Derek, for sharing your, um, your experience, your insights with us today. Where can people find you and your tool online? And I, uh, the little bird says that you have a discount for our listeners. So what's that? I do. Yeah. Yeah. So folks can keep up with me um, on Twitter at Derek Reimer. I like to do kind of the work in public thing there, share, share raw updates as I'm building features and stuff. So if you're if you like that kind of stuff, you can follow me there. SavvyCal is S A V V Y C A L dot com. SavvyCal dot com. Even if you misspell it, you'll probably get there because I bought the some alternative misspellings. <laughs> and uh, and yes, listeners can get a twenty five percent discount off your first year of service using coupon code UI Breakfast. You just enter that in during your uh, during your trial sign up flow. Yes, I saw some somewhere on Twitter. Build in public. Crying private. <laughs> That's what we found. Yeah, I saw that too. That was, like, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, uh, good. congrats on your product success and wishing you good luck in growing, growing that. You have an enormous market to serve indeed. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a wonderful uh, rest of your week. You too.